we didn't really know each other that well at that time. Uh, Christian was kind of new in our little community. Uh, and a lot of it at the, in the beginning was just getting to know each other. And for me, uh, I kind of interrogated him almost uh, about the, the game and what he thought about the setting and uh, the various ideas he had for tone and feel and everything like that. Hi, welcome to the Daiku Podcast. I'm Gary Snow, and joining me today, I have two guests from the renowned Stockholm Cartel Design Group. I have Christian Plutforce and Carl Nibleos, and they have been doing some amazing work, and specifically, Death in Space, which I actually rated as my favorite game of 2022. And uh, I'm very anxious to talk to them about their design process and how they came to create what I think is an amazing game. So Christian and Carl, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Well, uh, it goes without saying that uh, like, I really like the, the design of it. I like the structure of it. Everything about your game is pretty bang on. But uh, in order to get to that point, I really have to ask, how did you get involved in game design or game play in the first place? And maybe I'll just throw it to, to Christian to, to start us off. Well, uh, I think it started uh, maybe around when I was uh, 12 or maybe 10, something like that. I played a Lord of the Rings game and, um, uh, with my best friend, and we started kind of uh, playing that. And uh, after a while, I started to do my own stuff like um, tables and uh, small maps and uh, lots of drawings of weapons and stuff like that. And and then I kind of had a break and started doing music instead. And then I, uh, a friend told me, you know, we're going to play some uh, role-playing games. And I think that was maybe uh, maybe 10 years ago or more, I can remember. And uh, I joined them and I got that feeling again when I was young, doing my tables and weapons. And I, I couldn't, uh, I had to kind of keep on doing it and playing more and more and more. And I was kind of hooked again. Uh, so it was like almost looking into a wormhole back to my uh, younger me. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where I started uh, playing a lot of uh, Lord of Rings and uh, a Swedish game called Mutant. And then I um, yeah, came back to it again. And now I'm, I guess I'm stuck now forever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna let me. I'm gonna circle back to your music because I want to know how much, like, music has inspired uh, a lot of your design work. So don't let me forget about that. I want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah. But uh, before we move on to that, uh, Carl and yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think as most people in our branch of this world, I started out with uh, tabletop role playing games in the teenage years, uh, and uh, it's really been one of my main interests since. Uh, but I guess about 10 years ago, something like that, I started searching for new influences because I was kind of not really happy where I were with my old group. And I, I wanted to try out new things and they weren't really uh, yeah, interested in that. So I, uh, I started looking for new people. I started reading many of these indie RPGs and these OSR games that were still pretty new at that time and uh, met some of these people that would later become the Stockholm Cartel. And we started playing uh, some mainly OSR games together. 
And yeah, I was just really inspired by the whole OSR scene and how kind of DIY, creative, and uh, yeah, encouraging that atmosphere was. So that kind of got me started for real. I had done some things for Swedish games before, but kind of on a hobby basis. But yeah, here then I was kind of more inspired to do more serious stuff. Uh, and also I had these other people around me that were really ambitious and uh, also had their own ideas so yeah so when yeah christian started out with death in space a couple of years ago I, I was kind of hooked and wanted to help out so yeah that kind of started that collaboration and what is the origin story of the stockholm cartel because i mean from an outsider's <laughs> perspective it's like all these like cool people that just kind of magically got together <laughs> well it's a bit like that to be honest <laughs> Oh, we are cool. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't say anything about that. But yeah, from the beginning, we started playing games together. We were really like a game group that um, a lot of us came from this Swedish forum, uh, role-playing games forum, um, and met via that community, which was also kind of a not just a forum. It was more of a, or it still is, more of a, a community also uh, in the real world. Uh, and uh, yeah, we started playing games and uh, started discussing games a lot. And from that point on, I mean, we were doing something together. And at some point, someone uh, was saying, oh, these people in the Stockholm Mafia, they are kind of taking over the scene. So we kind of claimed that and uh, made it our own. It, and did you... Um... Like, I mean, from a layperson's perspective, like uh, from an outsider's perspective, like you kind of burst onto the scene, like, you know, I think, um, and I'll probably butcher the pronunciation, but Mork Bori, hmm. uh, that um, that kind of was the the one that kind of made everybody kind of take notice. But how long how, was the Stockholm cartel kind of working and doing stuff prior to that? I mean, that's the first big international thing, definitely. Uh I think it all took us by surprise. I mean, for Johan and Pelle, that was, as far as I've heard, very much of a surprise. Uh, and it just exploded. I don't think any of us had kind of these ambitions to really make big things in, an, in the international scene. It just kind of happened, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Hmm. And, and when you like as a group um like does it is everybody part of the like kind of the design process like whether they have their own games or adventures or settings and that kind of thing is is everybody that plays a designer maybe not all of them but uh there's i think every person in the in the group are kind of valuable it's you kind of they have different taste of things. So if everybody thinks something is okay, then you know, okay, it has gone through that filter, so it's okay. <laughs> then I will go for that, then it's okay. Because <laughs> yeah. there's so much different um, opinions about uh, different things, so hmm. yeah. Um, I think each game and project is kind of one or two people who started out and kind of own it and drive it forward. And then sometimes more of us help out, but it's yeah it's mainly driven by one or two or three people i would say and then and, we discuss and talk a lot about things 
And, and Christian, you were the one that came up with the original concept for Death in Space. And do you remember kind of those initial days of like when you were thinking about it and how it kind of grew into what it is? Yeah, it's, um, I kind of started with everything I was doing. I'd never finished anything. It felt like that, at least. I, I did some stuff that I finished, but it felt like I never, you know, <laughs> I just did small things. And then I watched, um, uh, Netflix uh, TV show called uh, Abstract Design or something like that, I think it's called. And the first episode, it talks about you know, having rules when you do stuff that you should do it. Doesn't matter if you don't want to, if you want to do it or not want to do it, you should just do it and then have that at a certain time. So I tried that out um, on the on the way to work. And uh, I said to myself, I'm going to write 45 minutes every day. So uh, some days I didn't want to do it, but after those four to five minutes, like after forty minutes, you can't stop. You just go like like crazy. And um, after a while, I think I had like eighty pages or something like that uh, written on my mobile phone. <laughs> and, and it kind of spiraled after that. I, you know, sat in my car uh, thinking about the game all the time, and I had to stop. Uh, on the road and right on the phone again, and then we keep on driving. <laughs> uh, so it was kind of a nice feeling when, when you actually find something that you you like to be in that world yourself. So it's kind of it helps a lot. Uh, so yeah, that, that's kind of where it started. Uh, watching that TV show. <laughs> And so when I think about when we'll circle back now to like your music, like, did you have like a career in music and what kind of uh, genre no. or style of music did you play? No, it was just, I, I kind of like, I think both of us like to uh, like music a lot and play. Mm. Um, I stopped after, after a while, uh, but um, it was mainly just, you know, uh, in a dark room with some friends playing around <laughs> with their instruments. So that was... Um, it was mainly that uh, and making music uh, on the computer. So, mm. yeah. Uh, music production, right? A bit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Actually, I went to school. I, I'm a sound engineer. <laughs> I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, there was a, I, that's kind of a story in itself. I, I said to myself, oh, I, I, you know, should I be a rock star? Maybe I should know how to record music or something mm. like that. <laughs> And then I um, uh, went to school for that. And uh, because you sat so much at the computer um, when you edited the music and stuff like that, I kind of, I got my love back for computers again. So I kind of, uh, and, uh, and graphics and stuff like that. So I kind of started to do that st stuff instead. Um, so yeah, music has always been there, but um, it's, it's part of everything. Like um, I just love making whatever it is, uh, like an atmosphere or a feeling. I like to either it's music or it's writing or layout or anything like that. It I kind of like building that world. So it, it yeah, it kind of fits together everything. When you were writing, like on the side of the road and on your mobile phone, did you already envision the end state, like the visual design of it, and kind of the mood that you were you were going for as you were writing it? Well, the the only thing I had in my head was a couple of uh, movies that I liked, uh, that both of us liked, uh, and um, I 
I saw the the Traveler cover. I didn't read the book. I just saw the cover and I thought that looks like a really cool game. And people <laughs> talked about it. And without you know reading it, I kind of thought I'm going to write the game that I believe that cover is. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of uh, where it started. Also, so yeah. And then Carl, how? When you saw those uh, initial pages and the concept mm. and the idea, how, when when you came on board, like, what was the conversation as far as like the collaboration and how you were going to approach it? Uh, <laughs> I think it was uh, quite chaotic in the beginning. I think we were. Uh, I mean, we didn't really know each other that well at that time. Uh, Christian was kind of new in our little community, uh, and a lot of it at the, in the beginning was just getting to know each other and. For me, uh, I kind of interrogated him almost uh, about the, the game and what he thought about the setting and uh, the various ideas he had for tone and feel and everything like that. And I tried to kind of, yeah, this is kind of where we definitely had some disagreements about certain things here and there. And uh, yeah, I think the beginning was really a lot of that kind of thesis antithesis synthesis if you know that concept uh, where you know we discuss things a lot and then we come to some kind of con common conclusion where we still feel like okay we have some common ground here um i mean the, it, it changed a lot after you joined so that's for, for the good part <laughs> uh yeah so. I, uh, yeah but for me, yeah, i haven't noticed that so much i've always kind of tried to uh for me, it's been very important to preserve the the feeling that that you had uh, for the game to start with. Uh, but obviously, I'm a separate person, and I'm gonna um, affect the game in some way just by you know being there, saying things. And how was it as far as like collaborating? Did you have like a uh, a Google Doc on the cloud, or like how did you kind of like both yeah. work on it at the same time? Because I think Christian, you did like the layout primarily, and then Carl and Christian, you did the writing back and forth. And how how did you yeah. figure out what sections to do and like what to do next? It... <laughs> uh, it was also maybe not the most structured process, uh, but I. Uh... I've studied a lot at university and I've had to practice a bit of structure in projects that I do. And I've written, you know, a several hundred page thesis. So I, I have some experience in just uh, putting things together and structuring texts. Uh, so I started doing that a lot and, you know, asking questions like, why is this header level the same as this header level when they're not really the same uh, uh, hierarchical uh, position in the text and Christian was like oh, I don't know I, I just write things <laughs> <laughs> and so so for me it was a bit of you know structuring up the, all of these 80 pages written on the mobile phone uh, while at the same time trying to uh, kind of uh, contributing with uh, what I liked uh, at the same time um, and adding a little bit of my tone uh, as well and uh, I think we had like a, a master document and then I had kind of a separate document where I took things from the original draft master document and kind of process it one section by section. Uh, and Christian, I just like saw that. you reach for a book 
<laughs> yeah, I actually I did. This is the first eighty pages, <laughs> so that's um, how it looked before. So um, there's a couple of things that's still the same, but yeah, it's um, it, it kind of was still. It looked almost the same. Some stuff, yeah. but yeah, uh, yeah, and that was something that I was really drawn to uh, at first. Uh, the the layout that you had already done with the the black pages and the kind of the yeah the the feel of the layout and then do you both write in swedish first and then translate it or do you write in english first and and just it works for you because you're bilingual or uh, you might even know more languages well uh, i we, we yeah well it's in english but i guess um, i'm not uh, super super good at at it so um uh Carl has to do a lot of work there also, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, uh, in English mostly. It's written in English from the beginning, and yeah, yeah that's been a challenge, uh, absolutely. And in the end, I'm yeah, I'm happy with the result, but I think uh, a native English speaker would probably have done some things better. But we have had like English speaking editors and so on, so it's. Well, I'm going to add, uh, let's look through it and just like talk maybe through some of the design decisions um, and you guys can both speak to it or jump in. But first of all, I mean, it really doesn't come across uh, that like it's tough on the video screen, but like the foil, did you all, well, I'm moving it around. Did you always go, okay, we got to have foil <laughs> on the, the holograph foil on the cover. Is that like something that right off the bat you said, like, this is the, I want it to be so cool and like hardback and all those kind of like design, bigger design decisions. I think, I think it started, the first one was green instead of um, the white uh, things going out there. And uh, I'm not sure when it, when we realized we could do it in uh, holographic, but um, it could be, I, I don't, I can't remember actually. Uh, no, I don't remember that either. You, you had the idea, I think. Uh... I think we were a bit inspired by there's one page in the Merkborg book with a big silver cross and we thought that hmm, maybe we can do something like that and yeah that's true i don't know if that was the original inspiration i don't remember but yeah they definitely had that page at least oh, uh and um it says holographic version is there does there happen to be a uh other version or is that just like one of those design kind of things that you went oh we're gonna put a holographic <laughs> version on it well we have um, a special edition also that's in the cloth instead oh okay yeah. i did not know that sorry yeah so, there's not a non-holographic version that looks the same but there's a non-holographic version that looks a bit different let's see it looks it's, it's like this oh, okay yeah. uh, so it's kind of cloth more minimalist. Oh, okay. Carl, I don't know if you remember. Um, uh, I met you very briefly at Gen Con. Um, mm -hmm. I saw you on day one, and I said, "Hey, let's uh, do maybe a, a floor interview." And just my circumstances, and I think you're you were quite busy as well. That we never reconnected, but I was very anxious to buy Death in Space, and I said, "Oh, I'll just buy it tomorrow." And then it was already sold out after day one, so it was quite popular. Yeah, it it was very popular on Gen Con. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, and I think i remember you but yeah there were a lot of people there it was very busy but you have were the one with the, the camera i think yeah yeah yes. um yeah i remember that but did, has it surprised you i mean it's now like a basically been a year of uh releasing since you released it has, has it surprised mm -hmm. you the popularity of the game um 
and maybe I'm reading into this. Maybe uh, like I, I see it as a very popular and distinct game in the in the world. Um, do you do you get that kind of feedback? I don't know. It's uh, it's it's very hard when you're kind of the creator in in your bubble. Uh, also, when you have uh, you know Mercabori uh, as your next door neighbor. Uh, in that sense, uh, it's it's not as popular maybe as Mark Bory, but what it's to be honest. Uh, no, I, I think I'm a bit surprised. Uh, yeah, I think when when we launched the Kickstarter, we were both kind of in shock for several yeah. days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that, uh, that that was a surprise um, yeah. that the people, and and the surprise that uh, um, actually people kind of understood it in a way because uh, yeah. in, in, in this is a game for mainly for me and Carl we wanted to do the game that we like so uh, seeing other people liking it it's that's always a surprise um, that uh, th- that there are more people out there <laughs> um, but um, yeah I think Carl is seeing that more because he's going a lot more to cons than me mm. uh, but uh, yeah yeah uh, I just sit here and uh, in this dark room. <laughs> <laughs> you are invited to the cons, just so yeah, no one thinks that we're not inviting him. <laughs> are you going to Gen Con this year? Well, I am, at least. <laughs> oh, I think we got you frozen again, Carl, but let's okay. let's try to... Let's try, oh, you're back again. Well, anyways, people watching at home, it's technical difficulties. It's the internet. That's the way it goes sometimes, but... Uh, uh, and then, uh, Carl, the other thing, I when I was talking to you at Gen Con, very briefly, uh, I said, you know, it was, I thought, pretty cool that you were willing to put out what I called a space horror, uh, you know, with Mothership also kind of being in the space. And you kind of looked at me a little bit funny. And I remember <laughs> going, and I, I think you may have even said, well, I don't think it's a space horror. And so, mm-hmm. and after I got the book, finally, um, I went, yeah, totally right. I was kind of off on that. Uh, but do you find like people just naturally go, oh, it's like Mothership? Mm, a bit in the beginning, but not that much at this point, I think. It's it's not that common, I would say. Uh, but yeah, sure, there are some similarities. I think for me, the main similarity is kind of the aesthetic of the games. Uh, and Mothership is more kind of when, in, from the Alien film, after the Xenomorph bursts, uh, the chest burst scene in the kitchen. Yeah. And our game is maybe more before that scene. Um, so, so that's kind of a division you can make. Uh, no, I think at this point, uh, people who read the games probably see that they're, yeah, they're not that similar in what you actually play i think even though mothership is maybe a bit more general uh more of a general purpose game ours is maybe a bit more niche with a defined setting even though it's a bit loose uh but still there is a default setting that you yeah we present in the book and and I totally agree. And I was way off when I kind of asked the question, and I now <laughs> understand why you kind of gave me that kind of sideways look of well, it's not that. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. But no, so <laughs> it, it's been good. But uh, and Christian, did you always have this like the base setting as the foundation, or did that evolve as you kept writing? 
some of it. Uh, there were two movies that was kind of uh, I had in in my mind all the time when I was uh, doing it, and that was. Um, um, and now I can't remember them. <laughs> I, can, I can remember them. <laughs> My favorite uh, movies. <laughs> uh, Outland and Prospect, yeah. right? Outland yeah, and Prospect. Uh, so, and I always like that the universe in um, in uh, some of it, uh, um, in like in Alien and Aliens. And, uh, I like that kind of the, the world in itself and the, also the like the grittiness of you know like you know star wars uh but i wanted more of it i wanted everything to be dirty and um and also uh something that you don't see in this game that much but uh, blade runner is also like a thing i had in my mind of uh feeling and at- atmosphere but i i don't think anyone sees that in it <laughs> but, but it was there in my mind at least uh like guiding uh, how i how how i wanted uh so it was there kind of in the beginning. And uh, to just dive into some of the layout that I've been flipping through on the screen, uh, early on, I, you showed us the eight-page original kind of layout. So was it always like in your mind, it's going to be black for the void of space? Um, and 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 when you went to the printers for the first time, like the coverage that it must have taken to get it all that black, um, did they go, okay, we're going to up our quote uh, for the printing? Because like, that's a ton of coverage. I think the, the first test was not in black. But then I did a, like a black page. And I think, oh, I, I like this. And I, I get the right feeling of, uh, just like you said, of the of, of the space. You don't get that. It's harder to get that with, with white pages. So, um, so yeah, but when I started changing that i asked some people in the cartel you know is this okay to do <laughs> and you know it, it's i i'm not sure if i got the like yeah do it it was more like uh, maybe it's not super good <laughs> but uh, we can i choose that uh, it was a choice both from me and carl that let's go for that because it you get the right feeling of the game and in this case it was more important uh Almost more important than you can read the book, but uh, it's still it's still readable um, mm. because of uh, Dante in Catalan, who did a great job of uh, adding some tricks uh, to the text in the book. Mm. Uh, yeah. And as far as the um, like the aesthetic and the design, like I mean, there's not when you actually flip through it. I mean, a lot of it is that minimalist design um, and very. You know, there's not a ton of illustrations in there, but the ones that are in there are very impactful and kind of fit the overall layout. And from that kind of what maybe I'd say the Swedish aesthetic of minimalist design in general, um, compared to say uh, something like Mark Bore, where it's like a little bit more in your face and random. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you kind of fall into? Okay, here's our template, and here's the uh, the way we're gonna look. How how many? iterations and trial and errors did you have to do to get to this point a lot <laughs> i am I'm, I'm kind of the designer that um, i don't know that much of, of uh, actually the all the rules i i know some stuff uh, but composition itself is more uh, i often go off the feelings so i kind of move around stuff a lot until it feels good 
so that's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm doing. I just moving around stuff. And because of uh, when I kind of before Carl joined, um, I'm not sure if they have started with Mercury then, or it was a. I'm not sure if they talked about it or anything like that. But also when uh, Merc Boy kind of came up, uh, we kind of went also the other way. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I, I also like chaotic, but you know it's it's nice to it's nice when it's strict because that's also it's a, you mm-hmm. get the feeling of uh, of the universe a bit better in in, in our world. Mm. I think we were talking about like old manuals and that yeah. kind of feeling as well. Yeah, that, that was uh, like a big thing, um, like the C64 manual. Um, so that was a, a great inspiration. We wanted something a bit more strict and um, uh, how do you say it's like computer-like or um, so you don't get that much of um, not feeling uh, like um, uh, so you get more of a um, uh, Oh, I can't find the word I'm looking for, actually. <laughs> well, it's okay. I, I think it does have that, uh, you know, like when they fire up the alien computer, like in the original mm-hmm. Alien, the 1979 version, and it's got the the uh, the dot matrix kind of, but the colors and on the black screen, it's definitely kind of capturing that vibe of uh, mm-hmm. the technical manual, and but low, lo-fi kind of analog uh, kind of feel to it as well. I think we wanted kind of a combination between the <laughs> those um, old user terminals, uh, retro style from Alien and so on, and uh, also maybe a bit inspired by old graphic design. Uh, that is maybe uh, well this this thing called Bauhaus, for example, which is this old German functionalist. Uh, design school, which is a little bit of an inspiration, I think. We we both Absolutely. like that kind of graphic design, and uh, I think for me it's a little bit of com- of combination between this very retro style and that more graphic design style. And and you, that's something that you can absolutely see on the first. Uh, okay, I'm going to show the cover that <laughs> they didn't use, but the first cover is very. Um, Inspired by uh, like uh, C64 and all yeah. those computer manuals, um, so yeah, that's um, it's uh, well, not I like the new the the one we have now better. <laughs> <laughs> when when did you stumble across the uh, color coding for the different sections? Was that uh, you something you always wanted to do, or did it just kind of happen uh, organically? I think it happened organically. Also, that's something you. Kind of go for when, uh, like in school, you kind of you had those small markers in the, mm. in the yeah at the, the end binders, the, yeah. yeah binders sticking out uh, different yeah. colors. Uh, so that was also a thing. But yeah, it's kind of it happened more and more. And then we said, okay, we're going to do each chapter uh, like a color. Um, so that was um, mm. a thing that yeah, I, I really like that. I didn't really think of it so much before you started doing it. <laughs> I, I like it a lot. Yeah, it's also visible from the side. I think well, that yeah. was the idea, at least. Yeah, you can uh, definitely see it very quickly, and it just helps wayfinding. Yeah, uh, for those that. But um, and then, as far as the rules go, uh, I think I 
heard in a previous interview of yours that uh, it started off with the Nave rule set and then you've eventually kind of scrapped it or took elements of it and built it on what you wanted to do. Yeah. Um, it, and going back to your um, like of the OSR, how important was it for you to kind of like maintain those OSR fundamentals of like may, leaving space for people to do like little prep and leaving space for people to explore the world versus a big lore dump and here's here's what's going to happen and we're going to railroad you. Well, I think uh, both me and Carl kind of like that's the way. I think you play play it like that also. But when we play role playing games, we uh, kind of um, leave some things who can fill it in ourselves. So that's just mainly how we play. Uh, but the nave thing was also. After a while, we're starting to feel like the, um, the setting itself needed other kind of rules because uh, it's nice when the setting and rules are kind of connected. Uh, and the best case is when you um, kind of can't, you can't remove a, a rule because it's part of the setting. Um, and that was also a process we had later in the project where we actually went through all the rules because we had more rules in the beginning. Um, and said, like, okay, is this important for our setting? We like the rule, but we it's not important for the setting. Okay, let's cut it. Uh, so we cut some rules that uh, wasn't super important uh, for actually telling the, the story in, uh, for our game. Hmm. I think, yeah, that's fair. I mean, we, we started with the Nave system, but then we kind of added more and more things that we came up with on our own. And at some point, we realized that we, there's not so much nave left anymore so why not just rebuild this from scratch and combine all the systems together in a in our own way and um it's probably i'm um, doing everything's kind of ass backwards where like we got right into like the graphic design and layout but <laughs> we haven't even really talked about the 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 uh, setting itself so maybe can you give us like a like a one minute two minute kind of for those that are like well i'm great I'm glad you talked about the design, but what about uh, what about the setting itself? I know Carl is awesome at this. <laughs> <laughs> this is my question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So the main setting. Yeah, it's the Tenebris Stellar System. Uh, it's a stellar system in the aftermath of a war, and this war <clears throat> came about due to a kind of a gold rush for precious gems that were found in this system like uh, maybe a hundred years ago something like that um and uh, yeah big corporations uh, were in this war against each other uh, in yeah for the rights to to kind of mine these gems um and now the war is over all the supply chains are kind of uh, destroyed there's almost no contact with other stellar systems out there. Uh, people are kind of stuck in this broken system, trying to get by and rebuild their lives. Uh, and uh, yeah, all, almost all manufacturing broke down uh, due to the war. And uh, most objects are now just kind of put together from salvaged or broken stuff. Uh, it's a little bit retro-inspired, the setting. Uh, technology is kind of wired rather than wireless uh, in most cases. And we refer to things like cartridges and uh, 
computers are kind of bulky panels on the wall on a wall somewhere rather than uh, maybe also in your pocket but yeah it's more the, the kind of the the retro feel uh, and also I think it's important for us is that the Tenebris system is is really included as a starting point for, for those that like to have a setting to base their campaign from. But it's also important for us that we don't provide all the details. We want to leave some pieces of the puzzle kind of open for you to fill in yourself and uh, make your own version of the setting. And that's important. And we have lots of places where we even write in the book that uh, you come up with something which fits your version of the setting and also have a lot of tables and equipment lists and things like that where we help define the setting uh, without actually maybe writing about it in uh, text so yeah that's maybe a one minute <laughs> elevator sure. pitch and, and there's like a, a mystical element uh, like right. the void um, yeah True. And uh, uh, the cult too is like it's so, so it's kind of got some nice elements that are just not strictly sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. I, I got asked this question the, the other day at the, at the con, like, is this a hard sci-fi game? And I I can't, you know, with a good conscience, say that it's a rock hard science science fiction game. Uh, it's pretty easy to kind of tone down those things if you want to. Uh, but yeah, there are some some elements there with with this void and the the corruption of the void and the strange uh, effects that it has on people and the the strange voices in the static of electronics and so on. So yeah, there, there's some weirdness in there because and, we like and, it. <laughs> and I guess the, also the big thing with the, it's um, you can see that it's the end of time with. Um, this is the everything has been there, so all civilizations have uh, kind of died out. Um, so you're kind of living in the scraps of uh, of everything that has been there. So and you also have this universe that they think it's not. People don't know if it's true or not, but um, uh, some say that uh, the universe are kind of collapsing uh, back again. Uh, so that's also a, a big thing with the with the setting. And as far as the setting goes, like we're like about a year now. Um, what what else do you have planned? I know that you put out some like uh, albums, uh, mood mood kind of albums. That's been good, but uh, I haven't seen any announcements, or maybe I've missed them about what's what's next steps for Death in Space. Uh, yeah, we are. <laughs> we yeah, are we working. We have been a bit quiet. Yeah. We have been a bit quiet. That's that's true. Yes, uh, that's very true. But, yeah, uh, you were going to say we are actually working on something. Yes. Yeah, we're working on something a bit. It's not big, but uh, like a campaign book, kind of with some adventures and uh, tables and um, lots of content so that you can play and, uh, and do mm. with our with our theme. Uh, so. Uh, we have a couple of adve adventures that that's already done and play tested, so we're kind of going through them and editing them and looking at mood boards and uh, trying out covers uh, and see kind of where we land, how it will feel, and what we want to do with it. So yeah, there's uh, in the kind of we have been writing all the time, but it was mainly you know separate stuff. Now we thought, oh, let's just connect everything together. 
with a red kind of thread through the whole adventure or all adventures. So that's mm -hmm. kind of what we're doing right now. Um, so it's um, a lot of work and very fun. <laughs> it, or will you end up uh, bringing it to Kickstarter, do you think, again, similarly? We will see exactly how we do that. Uh, it, Yeah, it will come out in some way, but if it's Kickstarter or not, we have not decided yet. And I, maybe just in kind of closing out, you know, I can't help but go like, you know, the Stockholm cartel and how your partnership with uh, Free League, I don't, I don't even know if the partnership is the right word, but you're under their, the Free League umbrella. How beneficial mm -hmm. is it to have uh, like Free League in its own right? People love the products that they're producing and, and you create as the Stockholm cartel, uh, like a whole other level of kind of really custom bespoke uh, materials. How is it to work with Free League? Uh, I know you're not going to say anything bad about them, but... <laughs> but uh, it's probably uh, like a nice partnership, it seems. Uh, well, yeah, it it, it kind of started. We did a podcast a uh, uh, long time ago with one of their games, and they actually invited us because uh, we did a, a podcast for their their game. We did a podcast about their game. Um, I think we ended up with fifty two episodes or something like that, and uh, and because they kind of reached out and we started talking. Um, I'm kind of annoying with that, and I started to send pictures and, <laughs> and text to them. Um, so they, well, they are they are quite nice to everyone in the whole in Sweden at least with um, uh, helping, not helping, but um, uh, listening and reaching out. Uh, so it's it's quite simple to contact them and talk to them. And um, so yeah, um, that relationship, I guess, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> no absolutely i mean we 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 get the freedom to do exactly the game we want basically and uh with their help and their connections to printers and so on we can actually print exactly the book we want as well and they also have the network distribution network of course which is a huge benefit uh so for us it's it's very very good in that sense uh and uh, yeah, as I said, I mean, we, we can really do the games we want anyway. Uh, so yeah, yeah. In, in that sense, it works well. Uh, but we're, we're quite independent still, uh, I would say. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of more, we send stuff to them. And then yeah. if they like it, maybe we, they help us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the formal relationship is that they're the publisher. They, they publish certain books that we make. Uh, Maybe not all of them, especially for Merkboy, that's true. They have some books that are not released, published by Free League. Uh, but the core books are published by Free League. So, yeah. And as, as far as, um, I guess, my audience goes, there's a lot of, you know, aspiring game designers. And is there any kind of advice that you would give folks that are watching at home as far as, you know, they see a product like yours, they love it. And they they go like I want to produce something like that myself. Any advice that you would give them? Uh, start small. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't try you know do a, the the biggest thing. And and I I, I kind of have a rule with the first thing you do is always crap. So don't worry about <laughs> that. <laughs> so just do what you think is good and uh, 
and yeah. can I hold I think it's, it's a good, good tip to start small and you know it's maybe start with a scene or something which is easier to print and has less of a financial risk because yeah you don't know how it will go so why not start small and Kickstarter is a good way to reduce the risk for yourself of course and also a good way to actually give yourself a deadline and really push yourself to finishing something I think it's a lot of work that... to do a Kickstarter but yeah there are definitely some some very good things about it and you mentioned something about having a deadline I think that's also mm. super important to uh, maybe yeah don't yeah try to have a uh, don't sit for years. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's good to have someone to discuss with. Uh, but also at some point to just say that you're done. Uh, because you will always come up with new things you want to change all the time. If you look at something one month later, yeah, you're going to want to change things. If you look at it one year later, it better be out or it's never going to come out. <laughs> And uh, I have one more thing that I think is super important, and that's to playtest a lot, because um, uh, you never know how it works or feel. Uh, and sometimes, uh, if you don't like to actually kind of write the game and then playtest it, try to just make a couple of rules and then playtest that, and then just add on. You know, when you're sitting at the table, oh, we can I want to do this, and then you start writing uh, what your friends like and what you like to, at the table. Uh, like iterating your product instead of um, just having, you know, I'm going to write it and now it's done. Uh, let's play test it. Uh, so the iteration, I think that's that's how I like to do it. But maybe it's not for everybody, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of my way to, to do it uh, at least. So. Well, uh, I really appreciate you, uh, you know, coming on the show and uh, sharing some of your wisdom and your experience and your process on uh, how you produce the game. And once again, like for, from my perspective, I thought it was the, the best game of 2022. And uh, so hats off to both of you for pr producing such an awesome little game. And I look forward to seeing more in the future. And when you do have that next product, be sure to come back and tell us all about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you and so thank much. You. <laughs>